We have been um, going through a, a series entitled Kingdom Made. Kingdom Made. And um, we started out by looking at something that um, has come up every single um, week, and it will again this morning, that is essential, that's important to grasp. It's that foundational part, and that is something called purpose, purpose, purpose. And so you think about kingdom made, um, you think about being a follower of Jesus, you think about making disciples, purpose, purpose, purpose. And, and we looked at Acts 13, about how that was being done in the early church, Barnabas and Paul, in, in the foundational truths, God's word and who it is that, that God was in their hearts and their lives and how that, that was the foundation upon which everything else was built it's so critical and, and it's so important to understand that as we live our lives and we think about who it is that God has called us to be. And there's a lot of distractions that enter into our life to, to get us to lose sight of purpose. And, and I talk a lot with, with staff about that, you know, about the things that we're doing and who it is that we're being and how important it is to never lose sight of that. Everything that we say and do as, as um, not just as staff people, as a body of Jesus Christ has to be tied into purpose. So it's important. And then we looked at the following week, the example of Jesus in Mark 3 about the making of disciples and some of the initial things that go into that. And, and maybe you remember in Mark 3 some of the things that we looked at about how Jesus always took the time to pray and to discern. And as he initiated relationships, as he did in that passage, the calling of the 12 to be his, uh, apostles, he, he did the very same thing. He prayed again. And, and he prayed so he would have a clarity of God's leading of his heavenly Father and be able to discern who it is that he would then pour into. And that's a huge part, again, linked to purpose. But making disciples, praying, discerning, and then actually doing it. Yeah, I thought about that as I watched. Um, maybe some of you are doing that. The, the Bible, Bible study that we have, a church-wide Bible study called Makers by Patrick Ananati. I encourage you to do it if, if you um, haven't tied into that and use it as a resource in your life. Um, and he, he speaks about moving in the third session. Moving of actually having the action engagement to be a maker of followers of Jesus Christ, partnering in the gospel. Have you heard that terminology before? So, so important. And we looked at some of the things that God blesses us with in the example of Jesus again in Mark 4 about making some of the essential tools. We looked at that last week. And not necessarily you think about tools and practical tools. There's a lot of good ones, but the, the tools of, of knowledge and experience. And when I say experience, I mean the experiencing of God in your life and in your, in your relationship with others. It's so important to have that knowledge of God and those experiences, God working in your heart and in your life, and then taking the time, another great tool, to, to really take the time to do it right, not cut corners. And think about that in terms of discipleship making and what that looks like. Time is so precious to all of us, right? How do you use your time? How do you spend it? 
How do you do that in relationship to, to making disciples? And you can think about making disciples in terms of, of those that are the closest to you, your children, your grandchildren, your siblings maybe, and then you just branch out from there, and coworkers, classmates, et cetera, et cetera. And then the other parts of it in terms of having a willingness and a passion to do that. And if you don't have that in your heart and in your life, I, just, I ask you to pray about that. Because reality is, is there's opportunities all around us, every single one of us. Opportunities to be and to pour into. So essential tools, parts of that. And today we're going to look at a relationship between Timothy and Paul that I, I can just so resonate with. As we look at one other thing, we're going to have one more week in this series that um, Pastor Kathy is going to wrap it up next week. In terms of giftedness, take a look at that. But today I, I want to share truth with you about, about pouring out and filling up. And, and how important that is and some of the things that have to, to do with that. It's Paul poured his life into Timothy, just as Jesus poured his life into others. He, he followed that model, that example and he did it in, in, in a very deep and intimate way. And maybe this is the part that I can, can resonate with. In, in the first part of, of 2 Timothy, and we're going to be reading 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 8 in just a moment. But <clears throat> Paul starts out in, in that, this particular book and sharing of truth, and he addresses Timothy as his dear son. I want you to think about that for a moment, his dear son. And he shares it a couple of times, and then he, he does it in other places. But as you, as you unpack the relationship and you read, especially these two books of the Bible, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, you can see the relationship that they had. And so, and so I'm, I, I speak out of, out of the relationships that I've had. I, again, people who counted me as a dear son and who poured themselves into me and the difference that it's made in my life. I just, I don't know if a day goes by that I don't praise God for those two men that God brought into my life and the difference that it made. So I, I really resonate with this particular passage, the relationship of Paul and Timothy, and, and I just want to invite you to open up your hearts to hear the truth that God has for you as we read these words and then unpack them. So open up your hearts, hear the truth that God has for you specifically in 2 Timothy 1, verses 1 to 8. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with their own sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itchy ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. 
I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is the word of God. Might it be written on your hearts and lived in your lives. So again, you just, you just can't um, think about being, being a follower of Jesus, being a maker of disciples, without understanding and grasping that critical and important understanding of purpose. And it's here even as this passage started out in verse 1. So Paul is ready to share something really important with Timothy about being and about the call of God. And as he does, how does he start? He says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. Think about that for just a moment. In the presence of God and of Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. What what is he saying? He's saying, look, you need to understand this. You need to get this. Because you go, as you go out and you be, if you lose sight of that, you've lost sight of everything that's important. Purpose, purpose, purpose. And I know that's what you have in, in your heart, Timothy, but you need to remember that always. Because you go in the presence of God. You have, you have Jesus Christ in your heart and in your life. And so if you're going to go and be a, a maker of disciples, you always need to have that at the forefront and recognize that as you go, God goes. As so if you go outside of the presence of God, guess what's going to happen? That's where you're going to be. That's who you're going to be. But if you go and you understand that God is with you, he can help you, he can encourage you, he can empower you, and you go with that understanding of being, you go with him. And one of the things that's really, and we're going to see this more in the passage, that's that's so incredibly important is to making that connection as you live your lives. And so you you can put that into the context of, of, of children. You can put that in the context of whomever that, that you are pouring into or, or would like to. This understanding of the presence of God and the importance of it. Because the greatest, I call this the greatest deception ever spun, is all it takes to be in this world as a good person. Not true. And even as I think about those words, a good person, who defines that? See, the world is coming up with all kinds of definitions about what that means. And so when you talk about being a good person, I don't even think we, you talk about that in the world and in those conversations, where it is that you live, where it is that you work, where it is that you play, people will automatically have their own definition of what that means. And if you don't attach it to, to being somebody who is a follower of Jesus and the importance of living by his word and his truth in your life and being who it is that he planned you to be from the, before you were born, knitting you together in your mother's womb, if you don't, have, you don't attach it to that, that can get lost. 
That can just be about being good. What does that mean? Well, again, take your pick. But God speaks about it. He's clear about what that means. And it's part of what the attachment of a purpose does. It's so critically important. And speaks about the importance of being filled spiritually. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. He speaks about that. He gives the understanding of purpose and gives a charge then. I give you this charge. It's at the very end of verse 1. And this has connections again to, to having the right tools, right, in your toolbox, your spiritual toolbox. The importance of being filled and what that means and what that looks like spiritually and we're going to unpack some of what he says but i want to start out by having you you look at this and i want you to think of people in your life that that you are are um have the responsibility of being a mentor to and again some people say i don't want that responsibility it's your god-given responsibility you can try to run from it. You can try, it doesn't matter. It's there. It's true. And again, I'm thinking primarily tightly in terms of, of, of children. I'm, I'm thinking of grandchildren. And here's the deal. So I want you to think of them, that person that you know that you're called to be a mentor to be, and they're going to be, and so I'm going to give you two of them, two glasses, okay? There they are. So I can ask this question about in terms of, and, and when we think about vision and our, 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 our mission and vision plan is, is based on who it is that God desires us to become. And so you can think that way, but I think it's also true if you are a follower of Jesus and you have, have people in your life that you know that he's calling you to engage in in terms of making disciples of. So, so if this is you, do you think that God wants you to pour that much? into them what do you think pretty good answer some of you again you're still waking up barely see it what happens if this is true when the heat comes or if they're really thirsty right is this enough See, you, you know what, I wish I had a little like tub right here. I missed part of my illustration. This is more like it, isn't it? Fullness. The other day I was out in the hot, um, yesterday I was out in the hot sun all day too, and I love the heat, but I got to admit, I had a glass of water that was, ice filled I drank it it was awesome in this world there's a lot of heat and there are people all around us who are incredibly thirsty including our own children our grandchildren our friends our family members people that we love that we care about now I do want to say this as you think about this and the charge that's given to Timothy. And remember, nobody experienced rejection more than Jesus, right? 
There are going to be some people who will take this glass of water, and what will they do? I'm not going to do it now because I don't want to get in trouble with Brian. They would just throw it over their shoulder. They would waste it, and they wouldn't drink it. That's going to happen. And the more that we love a person, we see that happen. It's hard, isn't it? But I also want to tell you this. There are going to be a lot of people who will suck it down and drink it. And every single time that that happens, the heat comes, they're emptied out, you can pull right back in again. And you just keep pouring, you just keep pouring, and you just keep filling. Now, of course, the question is, how can that continue to happen? I only have a little picture here. But isn't it amazing that our good, good Father promises to fill you always, continually, so that you never run out? of water, of, of life. I mean, think about water does, sustains, it energizes, it refreshes, it encourages. It's the giver of life. See, Jesus said that, living water. I'll give you water that you'll never be thirsty um, again from. You can drink from my well, he tells the woman at the well. And so when you think about that charge and you think about the importance of being filled, and you think about, about these, these words that he shares, that he starts to unpack. It, it's so important because you can't pour into someone if you're not filled yourself. It's just the way that it is. It's so critically important to understand that. And if you're going to be that godly father, you're going to be that godly mama, that godly person. You need to be full. And you hear the charge that he gives. What's, what's the charge? What, what's the call? <clears throat> it's to be. To be. And don't get confused <clears throat> by, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> maybe I need a drink of water. <clears throat> That first clause that says preach the word. I've had some people read that and say, I'm off the hook, I'm not a preacher. That, that phraseology in, in the Greek is speaking about just sharing, telling, proclaiming. That, that's, Timothy had a very specific call to do that, and so do you. Who is he calling you to share with, to proclaim truth to? And you can catch that. You can see that as it continues to, to follow. Preachers, so proclaim, share, tell the truth. Be prepared in season and out of season. Think about that for a moment. Be prepared in season and out of season. What is he saying? Always. Always be ready. Yeah, I had a lot of conversation with people who said, you know, I, I, I've been praying about somebody. I finally had that opportunity. They said something to me, and I didn't know what to say. And, and I have those moments as well. And my response in, in, in that instant when I'm, I'm humbled, I said, well, I don't have an answer for you, but I know where to get it, and I will, I will be talking to you soon. We'll have the conversation Praise God, I, they're getting less and less, and it ought to be that way, right? 
as I mature and I walk with Jesus Christ. How long have you been walking with the Lord? And so readiness, being filled, having that knowledge, that understanding, being prepared in season and out of season to share truth. And again, the only way you can do that, again, that tool that's in your toolbox is to have that knowledge and those experiences of God. How it is that God has worked in your life? How it is that he's working? The things that he's shared with you, the things that you've learned, how you've grown. Be prepared in season and out of season. So, so critically important and, and being full to continually do that, to always be prepared. And it's one of the things, it doesn't matter what it is, when I go to have a conversation with somebody, no matter how much I can start to have all of these, these verses and these truths go flying through my head, I'm always praying, God, help me be ready. Because they might ask me something or they might wonder about something that I'm not prepared for, at least intellectually, going into this conversation. So just have me be ready. Give me the words. Help me to speak into the moment so I can simply be somebody who exalts your name and honors you. Be prepared in season and out of season. And you notice the, the, the first things that it says after that. Correct and rebuke. And I just want to spend a moment unpacking that because that is not a culturally um, acceptable statement. Correct and rebuke. And you think about the things that are attached to that. And here's where I would tell you. It's, again, you go back to the conversation about good things, just sharing, be a good person. That's not enough. You, you correct and you rebuke. It's about teaching and learning. Helping somebody understand what is truth and what isn't. And as you well know, you, you don't, as you walk out here and you go into the world and you, you live this week, you will see countless, countless situation after countless situation where that is, is just stomped on from a godly perspective. If you are bold enough and you are courageous enough to share godly truth, you will be ridiculed. You will be shamed. People will tell you you're an idiot. You're a fool. I think of the words of 1 Corinthians 2. I'd rather be a fool for Jesus than be wise in the world. You can count on it. Jesus did. You'd be right there with him. It's so important to stand up for truth. You know why? Because nobody else is doing it. You can think of all the different people groups that walk the face of the thirst. None of them have that charge. None of them have that privilege, that, that partner with Jesus, save followers of God. It's so important to share truth. And, and we're going to get into verses 3 to 5 in just a second. So critically important, but not to use it as a two-by-four. Do you see what follows? What does it say? You, you correct you rebuke, and even those words, I'm like, that's eh, a little sharp, that's a little harsh, but then what comes right after it? And encourage with great patience and careful instruction. When I was in high school, my best friend, um, who I still have the privilege of being friends with, and uh, I would go over to his house, 
And his dad was a dad with, he had lots of knowledge about all kinds of things. I'm always amazed with all of the things that guys accumulate in their head, all of the knowledge of the how-tos and all of that stuff. But he would, he would, the way that he talked to my friend and the things that he did, I, I would, we would walk away and I would say to him, how can you take that? Because he'd want to teach and he'd, he'd want to help him, but, but encouragement? I don't think I ever heard him say one encouraging thing to his son, not once. Patience? None. If he didn't get it right the first time, I was like, give me that. Rip it out of his hands and he, come on, how can you be you know, so stupid, whatever, boom. And I, would, I would say that to him all of the time. How, how, can you, how can you just deal with that, you know? And the reality is he didn't. As soon as he graduated from high school, he took off. I didn't see him for a while. Didn't even know where he went. He was done with it. The understanding of mentoring and pouring into. See, that part got lost. I'm willing to correct and rebuke you, but I'm not willing to give you grace. I'm not willing to encourage you. I'm not willing to be careful and take the time and have patience with you. Do you see the importance of all of that? I think we can all relate to that illustration, to this truth. See, that's who he's calling us to be as mentors. And so, yes, I'm going to be very specific as godly men, as godly husbands, as dads. So important. It is a great, great truth and a great charge that's been given to us. And again, it doesn't mean that it's always going to be received in the right spirit. That, that's the way it is. We have to be okay with that. But that doesn't excuse our responsibility and who it is that God's calling us to be, right? And I can say that all of the time. I shared the gospel with a lot of people, and some of them did just what the rich young ruler did and turned around and walked away. And I don't want to hear another word of it. It won't stop me from sharing again. And just think about who it is that God wants me to be. I'm not, I'm not responsible for the results. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the presence of God, the giver of grace. I'm not him. I just have a responsibility to do exactly what he's sharing with me to do. And so I want you to think about that. What does that mean for you? In terms of being a maker, being a mentor being a godly man or a, or, or a godly dad, being. And I would share this, and I know that maybe this has been said um, every single decade by people like myself who are called to, to preach the word and, and you. There's never been a time when it's more needed. Our world is on fire. I'm not talking about the, the Holy Spirit fire. <laughs> I, I'm trusting that that's true as well. But a spiritual fire. And God needs you, he needs me to be, to be. To be makers. John Stuart Mill was a philosopher and he stated this in an inaugural address at the University of St. Andrew in 1867. And this is hard to follow. I'm going to read it slow, but then there's one sentence that will encapsulate it all. Here's, here's what he said. So he's speaking to a, to a college, 
college-age students. He said, let not anyone pacify his conscience by the delusion that they can do no harm if they take no part and form no opinion. Bad men slash people need nothing more to compass their ends than that good men should look on and do nothing. You hear what he's saying? He's not a good person without a protest, allows wrong to be committed in his name with the means with which he supplies to help because he will not trouble himself to use his mind on the subject. Here's, here's the encapsulation of that, and this is a saying that's come out of it. It's often attributed to Edward, uh, Edmund Burke, and I know I've, I've shared that as well. I guess he didn't really say it, so I want to be correct. The saying is this, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. If you have your Bibles open and you followed along or you you have it there, verses 3 to 5. This is where we're living, folks. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to miss. But you, 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 keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist and discharge the duties of your ministry. Hear that, though? There's... I don't know what there's more of. People who have itchy ears or people who want to scratch them. That's what you get with, and I know I've shared this before, secular relativism. If I get to decide what's right and I get to decide what's good and I get to decide what's truth, you can find anybody that you want And all you have to do is, if you're not doing it in person, all you have to do is get on the computer and click, and you will find somebody to support exactly what you want to believe. And trust me, they will speak into it ad infinitum, and they will pour into you. And if you can imagine, I wish I had it right now, just a clump of mud and dirt and putting it in this glass, that's exactly what we're talking about. And if you're not willing If you're not willing, you don't have those convictions and you don't have that heart and you don't have that passion to pour into them, that you're going to either be empty or you're going to have big piles of mud in those glasses. We've already established the truth and the reality and you know in your heart that that's not what God wants. He doesn't want just a little. He wants it to be full. And every time it's emptied, he wants it to be poured into, and he wants it to be full. And every time it's emptied, I could keep doing this. You think of rivers, you think of lakes. What happens when the water stops? Things dry up, and life disappears. What a privilege, what an opportunity we have. be partners in the gospel, to speak truth, and to pour and to keep pouring and to never stop. 
and to know that as often as we do it, God will keep filling us up to do it over and over and over again. That is his promise to you. So I hope you look at these last verses, 6 to 8, I hope this is true for you, that you choose to be. You choose to be somebody who pours out and who fills up. Paul speaks about that truth. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. He he had been doing it for a very long time. He speaks about the time has come for his departure. Um, I don't know if that's true for us or where we're at. I don't know how God has spoke to you. But in the interim, keep fighting the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And then those words in verse 8, now in store for me, he knows it. Now in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me. You know, one of the good things that God gives us the privilege of as we live our lives, and for me, um, again, it's a part of being so humbled, is that he gives us the privilege and the opportunity to see the life that comes from pouring out. And so in the lives of our children, our grandchildren, again, in the lives of other people that you've had the privilege to come alongside of, that's one of the things I think about all of the time and gives me great joy. Is it just, and again, humbling, just to know that God gives you the privilege and opportunity to do that and to be that person. He counts you worthy of it. Again, if you're a man and, you, and, and, and living your life for a purpose is a big part of how you think and how you do achieving, why, why would you spend your life trying to achieve earthly things when you can do much better, things that will last forever, and trans, things that change and transform lives? So you you can do those other things that are great and have them be a part of who you are. But there's nothing greater than pouring out and filling up. Makers of followers of Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. And it just has been an incredible privilege to allow um, myself to be used that way by God. And just as you have, and he gives you those crowns and those, those jewels in it, right? You see it, he reveals the difference that it makes every now and then through the relationships that you have, and it is an awesome thing. I, I, I don't know if I could, could tell you, and certainly, um, you know, there have been a lot of moments that I've been blessed with incredible joy in my life, but when somebody comes and, and talks to me about accepting Jesus Christ, or, or working through something that they have in their life, and they, they've been able to get to the other side of it, and God's word has, has transformed them and helped them be, it just blows my brain up with joy. It just does. We all have that privilege and opportunity. You've experienced it, and you have a lot more of those experiences waiting for you if you choose to be. To be poured out and to be filled up. That's the question, right? Who are you being and who will you be? Don't worry too much about who you've been. That's what grace is all about. Let's be together.
Will you pray with me? Lord God, you, you are so amazing. And again, I thank you for the godly men that are gathered, and women as well. Lord, on Father's Day, I think about the people that I see, the men that I see, and who it is that they're being, and the stories that, things that are taking place. And not only gives me great joy, it gives me great hope. And I see young men, and I think about who it is that you're forming and creating them to be. Oh, Lord, as they, they step forward as, as fathers, as husbands, who it is that they're becoming, I praise you for it. Lord, I just ask that you'd continue to fill us to overflowing. So for the, and, Lord, I, you will help us to seek it. Help us to seek to be filled and help us to seek to be poured out. To be bold, to be courageous, to be holy. That's what Satan's afraid of. That we'd actually be. Might it be, because you are a good, a glorious, great, loving God. An awesome, heavenly Father, a good, good Father. Amen.